the Small Queendom Podcast, episode 58. You're listening to the Small Queendom Podcast with me, Leah Graham, wellness advocate, self-healer, entrepreneur, and Enneagram 3. Tune in each week for holistic personal development and wellness, the Enneagram, and other lifestyle topics. Basically, I like to talk to people, try things, and share here to help you rule your queendom with ease. If you like the show, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend. For the past year, I have not had ads on this show (laughs) because honestly, it is laughable to think that I would talk to you about a mattress or a security system or some kind of subscription for stamps. Like that is not the small queendom at all. But I absolutely love a good brand. There's only one kind of jean that I buy, and I am an Apple diehard fan for my technology, and there is a Subaru number three and number four in my driveway. So when I tell you about doTERRA essential oils, I want you to know that it is actually the number one brand that I would recommend to anyone if I could only pick one, right? Beyond the fact that it is like the poster child for fair trade and the fact that the reason our oils are so magical is because they are filled with love and it starts with the farmers that we actually know and care for at the beginning of them. But really my story is because I was depressed, I had super serious digestive issues, and I was getting sick all the time. And I needed something to be able to take care of my health. My husband deals with anxiety and my children you know, they're kids. So things coming and going around here. And I use essential oils for all of it. And so I just want to invite you, if you have never used doTERRA before, but you've used other essential oils, it is not even in the same ballpark. It's like comparing Fruit Loops to produce from the farmer's market, right? (laughs) Because that's what this is. Essential oils are truly the perfect addition for anyone who is wanting to take your daily average to the next level. I love saying that it improves our quality of life in a really significant fashion, whether it's an emotional, physical, or even spiritual needs. It really is something you have to experience. There is a price point for wherever you're at. It starts at $150 and goes up. I'm going to put a couple links for my favorite packages to get started with, and I hope that you will click on them and take a look. There might be a lot of companies that make phones or cars or (laughs) subscriptions online, but there is only one company that's doing essential oils right doing essential oils right by the earth, right by the farmers, right by the consumers, and right by healthcare. And that's doTERRA, so just check out the links below. All right, let's get back to the show. Hi, so this episode is a long time coming. I'm calling it part three of my story. And if you happen to miss part one and two, you can go back and check out episodes 19 and 20 from exactly a year ago when I took the time to outline a bit about my past and give you some context for who I am and what I've been through. So this conversation, I have to admit, is almost sacred to me because I treasure my relationship with my brother and my sister so much. I almost wondered if I should even share it here. But I think that there is value and I'm going to hit publish. I hope for the many of you who have reached out to me and shared about your own estrangement or isolation from your family that you are encouraged to do the personal work as you will hear my sister and myself share about uh, and be open to possible restoration to those relationships. 
And I also hope to inspire you because the next couple months, um, especially during the holidays, family gatherings are going to happen. And I hope that you will take time if you are around your brothers or your sisters, you will take time to ask hard questions and deep questions and just kind of dig in and take time to process your life together and visit old and possibly wonderful memories you share a bond that withstands time and space. So here is the conversation that I had with my sister, Sarah, and my brother, Jared. Okay, this is such a special moment. I never thought that I would ever be sitting and interviewing my brother and my sister for my podcast, but here we are. I am with Sarah and Jared. Hey, you all. Hey. Hey there. Hey, hey. So let's go ahead and dive into this conversation. You know, my listeners, they know kind of my side of things. Um, You know, they know that things turn south. They know that I... Uh, was taken. They know that it's been 20 years since we reconnected. And I thought it'd be really fun to kind of, you know, um, break that down a little bit and then also uh, just kind of have some fun. I mean, hey, I get to interview my brother and my sister. I'm going to go for this. All right. So first off, let's have you all kind of introduce yourself because really my listeners don't know you. So Sarah, let's start with you. Oh my gosh, this is such a surreal moment. Um, so I'm Sarah. I'm the old one. Um, I am a labor and delivery nurse for 13 years. I'm married. I have two kiddos. And for fun, um, my family and I spend our whole summers in an RV in northern Michigan where we boat and sit at the pool and have a lot of good quality family time together. And I like to run. I don't know. That's about all I do. And you're 40. And I'm 40. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> All right. This is my brother, Jared. Well, hey, all. It's uh, very, very much a pleasure, obviously, to be on here and talk to you guys. I live in central Michigan. I'm married, three kids, married 17 years. I'm currently an, I'm an operations trainer for a large financial firm, and I am a veteran of 10 years from the United States Air Force. Yes, we are so, um, we're so proud of you. I when I found out that you had been basically at war for 10 years, I just was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my, my brother was all around the world putting airplanes up in the in the sky. Pretty awesome. Um, what was one of your favorite places that you went to during your service, Jared? Well, as Leah just mentioned, I did have the pleasure of serving this great country that we live in, and I had the pleasure of traveling the world. Uh, been to pretty much every continent except Antarctica and South America. Had the opportunity to go to both. I did not want to uh, because I had better. Tri- <laughs> I had I had better trips uh, that I was uh, very blessed to go on. But hands down, I had the opportunity of a lifetime to travel to Sydney, Australia, for five years. And I have pictures to prove I got within five feet of a wild wallaby. And uh, needless to say, it was not happy I was that close, and I almost got kicked. So that's definitely a memory <laughs> that uh, will always uh, stay with me. But had the pleasure to go many locations, but uh, that definitely stands out. Sarah, how in the world did you get into uh, labor and delivery? And side note, what was your uh, gut response when you found out that I had a home birth? Girl. <laughs> 
talk about two worlds colliding. Oh my goodness. When dad first started talking to you and telling me about you, I was like, oh my goodness, we could not be more different, but we're actually not. Anyway, I, um, how did I become a labor and delivery nurse? I won't lie. When I decided to go to college, it was when I was, um, facing the end of my first marriage and I knew I needed to go to school for something fast to make a bunch of money really quick and be able to support myself. And nursing was it. I wish it, I wish it was like a better story than that, but it's not. <laughs> but thankfully I found um, during school, I absolutely loved it. And during my rotation in labor and delivery and nursing school, um, I saw a delivery and thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. I cried through the whole thing and then saw two more that same day and thought that those nurses were just the most incredible people I'd ever watched and I wanted to be that and here I am um I guess almost 14 years later now and I absolutely love my job I thought I wanted to go you know further in my education and do something different but bedside labor and delivery nursing is the way to go please don't have your babies at home people crazy things happen (laughs) (laughs) I plead the fifth that is so awesome. Um, definitely. You all are like, you are all are the epitome of like the heroes, right? So, so awesome. Okay. So let's dive into our story. So right now we're 32, 37 and 40, but really a big part of our story happens in 1998 when I was 11, Jared was 16 and you were turning 19 and basically for, you know, just to keep some levity, me and mom got out of Dodge. And, you know, it really was the most hurtful thing to the absolute core, um, that kind of abandonment and confusion. But, you know, like, how, what was your initial kind of, like, gut reaction? And, like, how did you move on after such a thing, Sarah? Whew, yeah, dive right in. Um, Yeah, I think things have been going south for a little while. So once you guys finally left and we got over the initial shock. My personality has always been like put on the brave face, um, figure out what you need to do to like start putting one foot in front of the other and making a plan to move on. And, um, that for me was, I had gotten married like a month after you guys left. And so I was planning a wedding and starting my own life. And that's kind of what I just dove into. And a big part, unfortunately, of my um, dealing with things was disassociation. And it was like sad for me and hard, but I just like put my blinders on and was like, well, this is my life now. Moving forward. Next. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get back into that a little bit more in the next question. Um, anything you want to add, Jared? Well, for me, it was a very it was a very pivotal time in my development as a young man, being just about 16 years old, actually 16 years old the day they left. And I was completely uh, disoriented and numb by the fact of what was actually going to occur because, Sarah, I didn't really know that they were going to leave until they never came back. So it was... Uh, words can't describe it was uh it was a terrible time and um sarah and i did lean on each other a lot but it's something you never plan for and words really can't describe uh the feeling that you that you're going through it was just um it was it was tough there's no better way to say it. it was just tough yeah and i think i mean we could probably just talk about this for the whole show but you know i have a lot of people reach out to me in the wake of hearing my story and, you know, me being more open about this. 
And I am just really honored that people would share their story, but also I realized that so many people out there are estranged from a loved one. They are not in contact with a sibling or a parent or someone in their life that means a lot to them, and they want to be. And so what I want to talk about more here is like how we made that road back to each other. You know, Sarah, you mentioned that you had disassociated and, you know, Jared was feeling obviously numb, but somehow you just have to keep going on with your life. Like, I think we all had very different journeys back to each other. And, you know, um, for me, it was having some really strong support around me. And like in that strong support, questions were asked. And I found that the answer, you know, brought me to this realization of the injustice of what happened to us. And I was able to you know, send the email to reach back out to you, Sarah. And I was ready. I, I figured that you wouldn't be, but kind of like, can you tell us, and you can take a minute or two, what your journey looked like from the moment that I sent you the email to eight months later when we finally started talking. Yeah. So wow, that email was a bombshell. (laughs) (laughs) I remember opening it and I always kind of, you know, for 20 years kept thinking, I know they're out there and maybe one day, like, I don't know, maybe we'll hear from them, but I can't say it was something I was looking forward to. If I'm being honest, um, there was just so much hurt and so many bad things that had happened. Um, and I moved on with my life. Like, you know, I, I was happy. My husband's great. My kids are great. I love my job. Like things were good. So anyway, opened an email to, email from Leah and it totally took me back and it was a super sweet email and actually pretty generic. Just like, Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you've heard Leah's story. But when I emailed her back, I said that I wasn't ready, but the email that I sent to her was kind of like, thanks, but no thanks. Bye. (laughs) And put her in touch with dad here. I'm turfing this. (laughs) Um, and, and I thought, I'm going to put this back up in the box and put it back up in the closet of my brain and file this away under yet one more hurtful thing that I just can't deal with. And I thought I could do that and I didn't. Um, so I spiraled downward over the next couple months as dad, as our dad and Leah started to remend their relationship and started spending time together and dad would talk about her and I was just so angry and it brought up so much hard things for me. Um, so many things that I never dealt with. Um, I began to struggle with, um, using alcohol too much and, um, not being there for my family like I should have. And it was my husband who eventually was like, I don't know what you need, but you need something and a way to be better. So therapy, lots and lots of So therapy. what did that look like? What did that look like? Um, well, because I'm a, I'm a doer, I need to like put actionable steps on things. I um, started researching therapy for people who were abandoned by their parents and um, found my way into realizing that that was a form of trauma, um, like why it took me 20 years to figure these things out. I just hadn't been confronted with it, so I hadn't had to do it. Um, and I found my way into EMDR therapy, which that is... Um, amazing. It's changed my life. Google it, look it up. But basically I've eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and it allows your brain to 
organize traumatic events into the correct folders in your brain um, so that you can process things appropriately. Um, When you have unprocessed trauma, it causes a lot of really tough things. Um, And for me, it was all unprocessed trauma, things that I'd never dealt with. And it was six months of weekly bearing my heart, crying, revisiting really difficult childhood memories, um, getting over being angry at our mom, getting over being angry at Leah for, I don't even know why, but she went with her. So that must've meant our mom liked her more, you know, all these things that were inaccurate, um, things in my mind. So, um, I made a lot of personal changes. I had to kind of rework my brain and how I viewed things and how I viewed our family. Um, but Literally one day it was like a switch flipped and Leah had actually been in my state visiting our dad and I wasn't ready to see her. And the the week after that, which was one year ago, last week, (laughs) one year ago, last week, I was like, okay. So I emailed her back. I have questions. And I've been stalking your Instagram and I've been listening to your podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I started listening to your podcast um, and was like, okay, she's not a weirdo. <laughs> Maybe she had her babies at home, but she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are now. So, yeah. So, you know, I think just to kind of pause before we get to Jared, you know, what advice would you give to someone who has had traumatic um a traumatic experience or experiences or traumatic life and, you know, they want to get help and you've had such a good experience with EMDR. Is there any kind of advice that you would give to someone who might be thinking about MDR, EMDR? Totally. Um, I have always been a really strong person, a really tough person. Um, don't wait 20 years like I did. Um, don't wait until you have a huge crisis that causes you to like spiral out of control because that was not a good time. Um, but find, do some research, find a mode of therapy that fits you. And then finding a good therapist is kind of like dating. Like if you go to therapy and you don't have a good experience with your therapist, go try another therapist and it's worth putting in the time and it's worth putting in the effort because therapy is hard work and there's so much stigma about mental health in our country and people don't want to put the time in. People don't want to, you know, face their demons and, um, it's hard. It's, it's hard to be vulnerable like that. It's hard to admit that you need help, but my biggest advice is just find a kind of therapy that works for you. And it literally has changed my life. That's awesome. All right. So our journey together was so different. So Jared, I want to like pass it over to you. Um, obviously it had been so long, you had moved on to your life, you know, you were very successful in many ways, and then here I am coming knocking at the door. Now, I never reached out to you directly. Um, so what was kind of your process through, you know, because really you were the last person that I was able to connect with. So walk us through that a little bit. Initially, when I had heard that obviously Leah had came into the picture and spoken with dad, it was uh, I was very skeptic. Uh, there were some things that had led up prior to this. Uh, with uh, other individuals in the family reaching out. So initially, my first thought was, whoa, what's going on here? Is my, my critical analysis of this seems too suspect. Uh, however, I was, I was elated at the same time as well because 
you know, this was something that had been two decades in the making, and now Leo's having the opportunity to reach out, uh, because for all we know, we didn't, we had no idea whether or not they were even still alive, and we hadn't heard anything in, in 21 years. Uh, so when she had reached out to Sarah, Sarah told me about it. I, I was very skeptic, but at this point, I was still very supportive of Sarah, because obviously Leah hadn't been in the picture, and I was at that point where I just felt, when you're ready, I'm ready. And it took it took many months, uh, really, to mentally prepare uh, for a conversation. And then when Sarah decided she felt like she was ready, then I thought to myself, hold on here, put the brakes on, you know, pull the reins back. How do you feel about this? And I was still excited, very apprehensive, uh, scared. And I've never really been scared of many things in my life, but this is one of those things that it's it, it it's emotional. When it grabs a hold of you, it's, it's scary. And it, it took me quite a few months. And it wasn't that I didn't want to talk. I just didn't know what to say. So obviously that conversation as it, you know, as it started was just like we picked up when she was a, a young girl and I was a, a, a new teen. And it just kind of took me back to when we used to play many times, many hours a day with each other. And, um, very blessed, very fortunate, obviously now to, to be sitting here. Um, but our, our past Sarah's and mine were very different, uh, when we, came in contact with Leah, but, um, so here we are. I mean, I gotta say, I know there's like always been this lifelong competition between the three of us. <laughs> I have to say, I'm sorry, Sarah, I gotta give this one to Jared. My first conversation with Jared was probably the least awkward of all the reconnections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it literally yeah. was like, like Jared and I, it was, you know, it was literally like the next week we had like picked up, you know, not 20 years later. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just, I, you know, and if we see, what was that quote you just said about, you know, how seeing things through the lens of like, you know, how you, what, what did you say earlier? Um, it's all right. Full disclosure. I just heard it on big little lies the other day. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she great. says like, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Totally. So I was seeing the person that, you know, dad was telling me things about you and I was hearing them from my bias. And so what I was hearing about you was like, oh my gosh, she's this like crazy oil lady. <laughs> Full disclosure, I use essential oils all the time now. She's got me hooked. Um, but she's a crazy oil lady who has her babies at home and blah. <laughs> We're nothing alike. There's no way. Like, I felt like I had nothing to gain from putting myself out there and establishing a relationship. And that sounds awful and it sounds harsh, but Jared and I have always been really close. And I was like, I have a great sibling. We have a great relationship. I have the sister who, in my mind, was the favorite of our mother and was taken. And we, we were, you know, two girls, seven years apart growing up, didn't get along when we were younger. And it's like, I feel so sad for the amount of time that we've missed, but yet so like, I feel like I've been given this treasure of Aww. just, you're so amazing. <laughs> How did I not have that all along? You know, it, it makes me sad. But anyway, I, I said all that to say, a lot of the misconceptions that I had were things that I had built up in my mind to be a thing when they weren't. Like, 
so I'm a labor and delivery nurse and you have your babies at home. It's okay. We've actually had a lot of really great conversations about why healthcare in the U.S. is where it is and what we can do differently. And I won't lie, there have been many times I've taken care of first-time moms and thought of your horrible hospital experience and like wanted to do better for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's we're all trying to get to the same place in the end. We're all just trying to be good moms and have healthy kids and, you know, we go about things differently. And so I've, I am just, I've learned so much in the last year. Aww, that is so sweet. I mean, I think, you know, well, Jared, let me talk, let me ask you, did you have any kind of like misconceptions? Um, I mean, maybe you talked about a little bit, but anything else that was like, what is it going to be like when the three of us reconnect? And maybe it hasn't been like that at all. Maybe it's, or maybe it has been the same. For me, it's a little bit different. I've been traveling the world. I've met with people in all different types of cultures and backgrounds and and I enjoy challenges and and trying to (laughs) embrace, embrace opportunity. Uh, So when, when we, when we met back up, it it really wasn't a big transition. When the, when it, the time finally came and we began to talk, and it was it was like it, you know, it was not even a year ago. So, for me, it was a lot different. I I really didn't know what to think. Um, I'm a people person, so I always try to find the good in people. Uh, but like Sarah and myself both felt like we just we were very suspect initially. Uh, but for me, I think it was a little bit easier uh, to to grasp. Uh, this coming back into our lives. Totally. You know, I think for me, like, I, I think definitely fear held me back. And then like, I think I tried to overthink mm-hmm. too much. Oh, story. Yeah. Overthinking is the story of my life. That's what I do all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> do you overthink Jared? Uh, I try yes. not to, but of course I do. <laughs> all a family of overthinkers around here um but yeah i think for me my misconception was i think i was just too worried about what if this and what if that and what if this and what if that and i just needed to like just you know it really was a well let's talk about the enneagram because for me this was just like the ultimate vulnerability because so you all know i've said it a million times um i'm an enneagram three sarah what are you i am an eight the challenger Yes, she is the challenger. Uh, she's so strong and powerful. I love it. Um, and then we believe, what do we think? We think our dad is. We think our dad is a nine. Yeah, we're pretty sure about that. Yeah, yeah. And then we we don't know, but we think our mom is, we think she's a one. Probably a one. And then, Jared, we you have only recently have been turned on to the Enneagram. So at this point, what are we leaning towards? We're leaning towards a four. However, it bounced back multiple different numbers so <laughs> that just shows how confusing of a person that i obviously am but yeah. we believe it's a four at this point yeah so for me i think my misconception was just like as a three i have a hard time like showing up you know for lack of a better term like emotionally naked without any achievements or anything so it was it felt really scary for me to show back up on the proverbial doorstep Without you all having any context of what I've, you know, what I had built for myself in the past 20 years. It was just like, here I am, the little sister that always felt like growing up. You know, I've joked about this. Like, there's Sarah, like, showing horses and winning all the things and going to state. And there I am, sitting on the sidelines. (laughs) That's a big, you know, it's hard to live in 
your older sibling's shadow, I think. Yeah. And, scary. Yeah, and Jared was awesome at, you know, sports and everything. So for me, I think my misconception was just, like, the scariness of the vulnerability. And I'm not saying, like, that every reunion and reconciliation is going to be pretty, but I think maybe for – we all had to get ourselves in the right place. Yeah, totally. So as an Enneagram 8, my – um, you know, my fear is being vulnerable and not being in control. And so my, also my default emotion is anger. And I was angry. I was angry that she left. I'd, I was angry that our mom had left and she kind of, I kind of made her prove herself to me a little bit <laughs> because it's a protection thing for me. And I also am very protective of my family and I'm, you know, a big hater of injustice and, you know, I'm the activist, feminist, whatever of the family. <laughs> like that's just who I am and I'm very protective. And so, you know, protecting my family was probably the most important thing. I mean, obviously there's nothing to worry about, but to I, I didn't know who she was and what her family you know, what her family life was like and what experiences she had had that would shape who she was now. And so, yeah, it was, it was all primarily control, fear, vulnerability, that kind of stuff. Okay. So, all right, Jared, I know you're still learning about your type, but Sarah and I are going to take a caveat here because we've both done a lot of work with the Enneagram and it's been a very important part of our, our journey. Um, not necessarily together, but we've been able to bond together about the Enneagram, but kind of in our own growth journey. How would you describe the Enneagram for you and how it has assisted you really in just kind of putting away the herd and maybe understanding life? So I do think that it is a a large testament to my willingness to try to have a relationship with you that I (laughs) first was like, okay, tell me about your essential oils. And then you sent me some and I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) but I used them and have grown to love them. And they're now a big part of my life. And so then you started talking about the Enneagram and I was like, okay, I'll take the test, whatever. And wow, it's so mind blowing how we shape. So things that happen to us early in our life kind of shape who we are, but we also see things through the lens of how we want things to be once again. And a lot of my behaviors over the years have been protective behaviors. And I was kind of a little bit of a chameleon in how I would behave in order to take care of, you know, whatever situation I was in and, the only authentic feeling and emotion I ever really had was anger because that was my shield. I could just be angry and you know, it wasn't like I was a raging crazy person all the time, but that was my easy emotion. I didn't have to feel anything else and learning that as an Enneagram eight, that is the shield that I put up, but there is also all the rest of everything there. And I didn't have to feel guilty about the person that I was. I think not feeling guilty about who I feel like I am and the emotions I have and the motivations behind the things that I do. Um, that's just really helped me in all areas of my life, in my job, with my family, everything else. So yeah, the Enneagram's awesome. Check it out. And there are a lot of really great memes. Um, I have kind of a dark personality and kind of inappropriate humor. And um, that works really well with my eightness. <laughs> and I'll say um, what has really helped us kind of process our story and our road back to each other together um, is kind of having an idea of what our parents probably yeah. are. Mm-hmm. And totally. I know for me, it's kind of been able, it's 
it's helped me like separate the emotion from it and just be able to look at it a little bit more objectively and say like, oh, maybe this happened because this is the way that they see the world. Right. Well, and a lot of things with the Enneagram, it's, it's, you become the personality that you are. I mean, there's the whole nature versus nurture thing, but a lot of it is whatever your wounding message of childhood is. And it's how you grew up and then how you responded to those things that happened to you. And thinking about our parents as, you know, you kind of, when you're a little kid, unless you have horrendous parents, you kind of have this like how you think your parents are. And then you find out that they're not, (laughs) Um, which is another story for another day. But, you know, you, you think you know who someone is. But then there's this whole extra layer of what experiences they had that you weren't a part of. And childhood experiences for our parents are what makes them who they are. And anyway, that it, it helped me get over some of my, you know, again, anger and see them as people, humans, you know, imperfect people like the rest of us just trying. And sometimes we fail. That was a good way to put that, girl. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, brother. So I want to pose the question a little bit to you differently. You know, um, I want to, I want to talk to you. We'll segue a little bit. One, another thing that people say when they hear my story and maybe they hear about us is they usually say something to the effect of, I can't believe with all you've been through that all three of you are relatively pretty stable in a healthy place in committed marriages with thriving kids. Like that shouldn't happen. And I don't really know if there is an explanation for it. But I wanted to just kind of, like, talk to Jared a bit. Like, how has he – how Jared, how have you been able to, like, take the hand that you were dealt and just really, like, push yourself to the next level? Because um, I think that would be encouraging for a lot of people. For me specifically, it's been the support cast. Now, I've always had, had Sarah, but um... – Right after, obviously, Leah, you had left, uh, it was in a very dark place, a dark time for me. And I remember vividly saying, I need somebody in my life. I need a constant. I mean, I love Sarah to death, but um, I was very fortunate. Two weeks later, I then met my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife of over 17 years. So a constant for me was I needed that stability. So my advice really to everybody is you have to take care of yourself, and you you have to know what that is. Now, it might take time. It might take some uh, discussions with other family members, friends, uh, relatives, uh, counselors, whatever is necessary. But you have to stop and think about what is best for you. How do you approach this? And by doing that, you have to take a step back. Don't make irrational decisions. Take the time as necessary and uh, make a good decision. I needed somebody to help me. I was blessed and fortunate enough that that person uh, I met a couple weeks later. So always think about what's going to be best for you. I love that. That You needed that unconditional love and belief that she had in you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I know that was pretty heavy. So thanks for going there with me. Um, but so let's kind of have some fun and we don't really know what the other is going to say. So, um, I thought it would be fun for us to talk about like, what is like a a fun or favorite or like vivid memory that you had of us 
like growing up together. We grew up in rural Michigan um, on just like some property in the woods. And yeah, Jared, why don't you start? (laughs) So I was pondering this for about 30 seconds and I thought I had a a very, very good idea of what I was going to say. However, I was a very naughty little boy, so I would do everything that I possibly could to irritate both of the girls. However, one of the constants that um, I had in my life is I had a plethora of woods uh, to go out and roam. And one of the things that I really remember, first with Leah, is uh, we spent a lot of time building little forts or cutting down little trees and making lean-tos. So we did a ton of of time outside and exploring. Now, when Leah was really young, Sarah would come out and she would play a lot of the sports with us. And uh, I'll never forget our wiffle ball games where we had the big barreled bats and Leah was just a baby and she'd be sitting on the sideline. She always (laughs) likes to say that. It's always sitting on the sideline. Um, but that was definitely one of the things that stuck out. Now I'll let Sarah have an opportunity, but I do have something that's very funny that I recall. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Sarah, what's the gosh? Well, I think because we were super sheltered and we like literally got to watch like four movies and I think, (laughs) I think they were the princess bride, which our mom had bleeped out a lot of the swearing and the like sword fighting part. We didn't even get to watch. (laughs) I didn't even know that that was a thing for years. I didn't even know how that ending actually No, me either. But it was still my favorite movie. I mean, it poked a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of stabbing that I had no idea even existed. Oh, my gosh. Um, So The Princess Bride, Pollyanna, Swiss Family Robinson, and Ernest Saves Christmas. (laughs) Ernest Saves Christmas. So one of my favorite memories, and I know we did watch this on a home video, but I just – we – had a video camera and dad brought in the Christmas tree and like mom was getting out the Christmas decorations and everybody is quoting these ridiculous quotes from Ernest Saves Christmas and Jared was like I don't know probably 12 so Leah would have been like eight or something and Leah was always the ham and in front of the camera and like with makeup on and making faces and I was like the organized one, being bossy and giving directions, hashtag Enneagram 8 problems. And Jared was the responsible one, like carrying in the Christmas tree. And I can just remember us being like, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. We were such dorks. We were the dorkiest kids in the world. We still are. I know. It's we're weirdos. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) it's so funny that you mentioned Princess Bride because, of course, I have a lot of fun memories I could share, but my memory that I wanted to share was that we were really dorky. And I have this distinct memory of us acting out portions of oh, the gosh. Princess Bride. Totally. Do you remember this? Do you remember this, Jared? You're going to have to jog my memory a little bit. <laughs> okay, so you remember that we were in the like in the living room and all I remember is that Sarah had like a, you know, an 80s sweatsuit on, <laughs> what have you, as you do. And a swim cap because she was the bad rat. Oh, God. What are those things called? And Jared, of course, was Wesley. The rodents of unusual size. The R-O-U-S's. R-O-U-S. Of course, Jared, you were Wesley. I'm trying to recall it. Uh, He's not remembering this. And I know I was Buttercup because I am. Yes, of course And, like, we, like, redid that whole scene in the forest, you know. And I, yeah, I... That's, I'm telling you. That movie was fantastic. I, yeah, I probably have watched that movie 500 times. I'm not even kidding. And only recently with the stabbing scene. So. <laughs> Mowage. 
marriage brings us together today. All right, Jared, what's your other memory? I think I know what this is going to be. I need to know this memory. Okay, so I have two very vivid memories of poor decisions that little boys make as they're growing up with two sisters. And it goes, and one for Leah and one for Sarah. The first one I'll start with Sarah. Our mother had spent countless hours making a dress for her to include a a glittered stencil. And I am trying to recall this because this was 30 years ago. It's a, yeah, it was a poodle skirt. With puffy paint. Yeah. It was like a sock hop. Yeah. Yes. They spent countless hours, and I remember vividly, just like it was yesterday, <laughs> our mother her. telling me, Jared, leave it alone. Do not touch it. And she laid it on her bed. Of course I'm going to touch oh, it. Oh, my god. And I walked in there, and I put my hand on it. And after I put my hand on it, and I thought to myself, oh, you've done it now. <laughs> everything up for you Sarah oh my gosh I that was really bad I remember but our mom was very resourceful and she found a way to fix that skirt and it like it was it was still good it was okay but yeah it was real bad Jared that was real bad all right so and for Leah again I was a very mischievous child and a very very naughty child I don't know how old Leah was however she was probably between 18 to 24 months and at that time I was four, uh, closer to five, and she had her snowsuit on. It was cold, and I thought it'd be a great idea to give her a front haircut. <laughs> but, well, that was a great idea. But the idea was not good because I thought, oh, I'll cut the front of this hair and I'll stick the hair back up in the hat. <laughs> and so when our mother took Leah's snowsuit off, there plops a chunk of hair. So. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so bad. You were you were really bad, you, and you teased both of us relentlessly. I actually remember when Leah was born. This is another cute memory because so I was seven and Jared was four, and Jared tortured me like teased me nonstop like little brothers do. And we, our parents, for whatever reason, thought that Leah was going to be a boy. And I remember Dad coming home, and I was sitting on the top stair like with my head in my hands and like all forlorn. I've always been a little bit of a dramatic person. <laughs> and dad, dad walked up the stairs and I was like acting all sad. And he's like, what's wrong, Sarah? I can't have another baby brother. I don't know what I'll do. And he was like, you don't, you have a sister. And I had no idea how horrible that was going to be. No. <laughs> No, it was, it's so crazy, like, the things that we didn't get along about when we were younger, and, and I also, you know, clouding your perception of somebody else, like, that was, that was the perception that I had of you, of, I was a teenager, you were a little girl, you were annoying and in my way, and I just thought, oh, that's who she still is, you know, annoying and in the way, and no, you're like an adult and a normal person, and way <laughs> older than me when you left, and yeah, anyway, it's just, it was funny. So one memory I have of Jared is he used to always call me Pack Baby. Oh my god! <laughs> and now, and now, rightfully so, because I had like a pacifier yes. until I was like four. Literally, yeah. it was my obsession, and I just remember always going, "Dad, Dad, he's calling me Pack Baby," and and Jared, stop calling your sister Pack Baby. You know, it was just so ridiculous. And then <laughs> Jared would go, <laughs> "Pack, Pack." <laughs> And a dad, dad, Jared's called me Pack. 
I was very resourceful when it came to nicknames to do anything that I possibly could to get a rise out of either Leah or Sarah. And then Dad's like, Jared, Jared, stop calling her back. And then he goes, Not my finer moments, that's for sure. Jared, stop calling her I have I have no words. I have no words. So I don't think we're normal at all. I don't think any about this anything about this is normal. How do we how do we turn out normal in the end? Because nothing was ever normal. We could only improve from there. Okay, I have a fun question. Okay. So we'll go one at a time. What is one way that we are similar to when we were younger and now maybe different to when we were younger? So Maybe, okay, I, I've got a good one. Okay, so Sarah, like, one way that you are similar is that, like, if something's wrong, if something, if there's an emergency, if there's something wrong, like, even as a child or younger, young, young girl, it's like, you want Sarah on your side. Like, she's got it. Like, she's, you know, she knows where the exits are. She knows who to call. Like, she's, like, on it. She runs towards the fight. And you've always been like that. Yeah. Okay, I think a way that, that's something that's different now that I admire about you is, like, I just remember you being, like, you know, kind of, like, sneaking around. You're not in a bad way, but, you know, you're just... I was bad. <laughs> I was naughty. I was bad and I was sneaky and I knew how to get away with stuff. And I also knew how to blame you guys for everything. So. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So I just remember you being kind of like sneaky. And now, like, you just do whatever you want. And I love that. Yeah, I don't have to be sneaky anymore. I can just say what I'm doing. Okay. Um, let's see. Jared, one thing that you're definitely like, I just remember, Sarah, you'll, you'll be able to say this with me. Like, how... He always had things in a certain order, like very orderly. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Jared organized. is the most organized, um, conscientious. Um, like you want Jared to come help you purge all the things. Yeah, he's like the perfect minimalist, like if he put his mind yes. to it. How many different times have you moved and done it in like 12 hours? I have moved six times while <laughs> active duty. And the fastest that we moved... A house of five people was 24 hours. We packed everything up in very orderly fashion. And yes, I would classify myself as a professional mover. So if you need a good purge, just contact me. I can help you. <laughs> and I just always remember how he would rearrange the furniture. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. You just like move the couch. Constantly. Or whole rooms. Like the dining room is now the living room. Yeah, we flipped that. We did that several times. No, Jared's tried to do that at my house too, but I'm, I'm just not. I can't do it. Why do you do that? Why do you rearrange the furniture? It's a different look. I guess it was something that I, I felt <laughs> that cha change is a good thing. Uh, maybe perhaps <laughs> twice in a week is not so good, but it was just something that I... I don't know. It was it was something that I just enjoyed. It's maybe a, a weird fetish. Who knows? <laughs> well, that's weird. Oh, oh, that's new. Okay, then I quickly, probably something that's different now than when you were younger. I just remember, like, you know, it felt like schooling felt like an effort for you. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you just, like, learn differently. But it seems like now you're so smart. He's the most educated. He yeah. has a master's degree. He has a master's We yeah. have bachelor's degrees. Yeah, he has yeah. his master's degree. We only have our bachelor's degree. So it's like that's been awesome to yeah. see like 
that it, when I just remember him agonizing over his schoolwork and now to know like how accomplished he is. So yeah, that's probably my answer for that. That's a good, that's a really good one. Totally. Okay. What about you? Something that's same and something that's different. Okay. Yes. Something that's the same for you, which I liked is that when you were little, you were such a just kind of free spirit, <laughs> a squiggle, a woo woo. <laughs> Yeah, even as a kid, I was totally Even as a kid, you totally were woo-woo, and you still are, and I think that's really cute. Like, I, you've kind of converted me a little bit, <laughs> but you were, uh, you were just, like, the, the kid that always, like, performed for everybody, and, like, all the, the spotlight was always on you, and I think I, I probably didn't like that as the older sister when I was little, but now seeing how, you know, you're good at speaking and you're just very charismatic and people are drawn to you, like, that's a thing that's the same that I think is so great that you've carried that with you and are just, you're, you're such a magnetic personality. Like you meet people. And I think when we got together the first time in Ohio and we were at the market and every booth we went to and every place we talked to, you just strike up a conversation. People <laughs> love you and they smile and they like engage with you. And I'm not like that. <laughs> and, and that was just so great. Jared's like that though. Jared is like that. Yeah. I am kind of, I'm an ambivert. Like I can be extroverted, but I'm more introverted and prefer my like quiet space. You guys can talk to people forever. That's not me. <laughs> um, and something different. Gosh, that's hard because I feel like my perception of you is not necessarily who you were. And I had a lot of perceptions of you as like kind of bratty and kind of like the favorite and, and, and that all I think is just my perception talking to you and, you know, the different experiences that we had as kids and you are like just so selfless and you work so hard to be a great mom and a great wife and a great sister and a great friend. And you, you know, you care so deeply about how you give of yourself to others um, like, yeah, that, that's, that's huge to me. And I think it was the biggest thing when I started talking to you, like how, how sweet you are. Oh my so gosh, not, <laughs> you're not bratty at all. You're like the sweetest person ever. <laughs> so yeah, that's so sweet. All right. What about for Jared? For Jared? Um, well, I definitely agree. I, I have to go with the like kind of perfectionism and organization. Um, and, he was annoying as crap when he was little. <laughs> he was so awful to us. But as we got older and, you know, it's unfortunate that you weren't around for that time in our lives. But Jared and I leaned on each other huge. And, like, I would not have made it through. I don't think mm. he would have made it through, you know, without each other. Because for a while, that was kind of all we had. Totally. Um you know, we had our significant others, but we had been through a shared trauma and, um, it was always, you know, we, we lived a half a day apart for many, many years and it, it was always a topic of conversation. Anytime we would get together and we hadn't seen each other in a while, it, was, it would come up, you know, mom, Leah, what's going on with them. And we would kind of like hash it out together and like kind of do a little mini therapy session for each other. And, like, yeah, but we're okay. We're all right. And our families are great and we're okay. And so where we didn't get along when we were little kids, um, as we got older, we became really good friends and I'm real grateful. Oh, that's so nice. All right. What about you, Jared? Something that's same about Sarah and me and something that's different from when we were children. 
Um, I think the the big thing with Sarah and I is we've always had a constant, and uh, we've really relied on each other. Sarah was very uh, much an inspiration for me because I didn't have a whole lot um, when things got really bad. Uh, so Sarah and I have always been a constant. Even though I was living in Kansas for 10 years, uh, we did communicate very regularly. Um, I spent a lot of time deployed, and even then um, I would communicate via email, so that was a constant for me. Um, and Leah has always been a people person. She's always wanted to please people, and it, it's no surprise to me to see where she's at now and um, helping people and that being her, her life's journey. And so that for me um, is no surprise. I, I, I'm kind of tongue-tied because I'm not sure what's different. So <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to, I think that's a good thing. So I have to plead the fifth on that for, for now <laughs> until I can maybe come up with that's something. Fair. That's pretty good. Okay, this is the last question that I always ask all of my guests. Um, and that is, if you could go back to your younger self and tell him or her something, what would you say? And I'm going to give you a second to think about it. Okay. 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 I, I do have an answer, I think. I spent a lot of time away. And the best advice I, I give to people, and I've had this opportunity, is don't squander the moment. Embrace every moment. Be thankful for every moment. Um, life is a blessing. I spent 700 days deployed, and one of the things that I always thought about, no matter what environment I was in, no matter who I was working with, is you're blessed. Every day is a blessing. Every day you wake up, um, and the people you're around is a blessing. Uh, I've always lived by the, the notion of a quote that I came up with, be the inspiration, lead by example. And so be that person that people want to approach. But more specifically, be the person that you can uh, to help others. Always Always be thankful for the opportunities that you have, the people that you're around, and don't squander the moment. Mm, very wise words. I love that. Um, I think I'll let you have the last word, Sarah. So I think for me, I've always said, I've always wondered, like, what would be my advice to my younger self? <laughs> well, if I'm being, like, funny, I'd probably say send the email, oh, Leah. I wish I could just like whisper back to my 18 year old self, send the email. Um, but I think the other message that I would say to young Leah, little Leah, is that sister, you were meant to, I'm going to get emotional, you were meant to have a bright light. And you should never be ashamed that you shine bright. Because I think for so long I felt in hiding. And I felt ashamed that I, you know, wanted to be out there. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Made me teary too. <laughs> oh. We did that a lot. We like spontaneous like laugh and cry. We just start crying about things. It's weird. I was never a crier before. <laughs> um, and so kind of on that vein, I would tell younger Sarah, teenager Sarah, who felt the weight of her world of the world on her shoulders, like when our family fell apart. Um, you'll be okay. It'll be okay. And I think I spent so much time avoiding the things that had happened and ignoring my emotions that it's taken a solid year and a half of every week of therapy <laughs> to dig back through those and organize those. But if I had just known if I would deal with things, it'll be okay. I love it. 
Listen, I thank you so much for spending this time with me. It's so fun to record this episode I with you. And, you. and Jared has birds, so there might be like squeaking birds in this recording. Yes, they are out in the other room. However, if you do hear some chirping, those are two parakeets. Uh, they are active 24-7 if allowed. You know, I think in like one thing like going forward, I think that, you know, my currency has completely shifted. You know, I think for a while I just, you know, wanted to make the money and mm-hmm. do all the things. And now it's just like, I want all the time. Totally. You know, I feel like we've got so many memories to make. I've, yes. You know, we've been able to spend, I mean, Sarah and I have seen each other four times mm-hmm. in the past year. Jared yeah. and I have seen each other three times. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is my fourth trip to Michigan in 12 months. Totally. Well, I think you and I, one of our similarities is that, you know, when you're not in a place of health, you, you know, like, emotional health, you try to find ways to put a Band-Aid on things. And for you and I both, that comes out as busyness. Absolutely. like, that's what we do. And totally, over the last year and a half, um, I've learned to slow down and, you know, enjoy time and... Yeah, that's like the biggest currency. And now making up for last time that we had together and our families and seeing our kids play together. Like, so oh, fun. it's so amazing. It's, it's been so fun. Younger Leah, please send the email. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and sign off. Oh, I hate right. to say goodbye, but I know we're going to like spend the next hours and hours talking. Yeah. So um, that's all I have for today's podcast. I hope that you enjoyed hearing from my brother and my sister. Absolute pleasure of a lifetime. We thank you. Thank you again for joining me in this extremely personal and special episode. If you are in the middle of your story, uh, besides seeking out a therapist to help you process your story, I cannot recommend enough the work that Dr. Nicola Perra does over at the Holistic Psychologist on Instagram, where she talks about reparenting your inner child, future self-journaling, and breaking the patterns of your ego. Listen, my friend, go out there, make this week matter, believe in your dreams because I believe in you. Bye-bye.